If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by a good friend and fellow GoBundance member of mine, Wyatt Graves. Wyatt, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, man. I'm glad to be here. Wyatt, could you tell our listeners, if they don't know you, a little bit about a little bit about Wyatt, what you were doing before, how you got into real estate, what you're doing today? Sure. Uh, you know, somebody asked that question not too long ago. And the, the, what I'm finding out is the answer is uh, ever evolving. <laughs> uh, and somebody said, actually, this week, they sent me a text after one of our uh, membership calls. They said, Wyatt, I really appreciated the approach that you use with mindset, everything transformational mindset, personal growth and development, and your ability to break it down into very granular productivity kind of work. In other words, uh, you helped me, and this is what he said, you helped me expand my mind, my thinking, and what I think is my potential, and you helped me break it down into smaller pieces so that I know what action to take today. So what I'm doing, uh, Sterling, I'm everything mindset, right? Like helping people find happiness and joy and contentment and living from their true selves. And I also love business coaching and productivity coaching to help people understand the path and what to do today to make today a win so that you can stack your wins and live the life that you really want to live. So that's what I'm doing. Awesome. So um, what's a little bit, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your history, kind of your story, how you got to what you're doing today? Yep. I was in, I think, ninth grade of high school, and I was riding the school bus. And uh, I came from a household that was uh, a family that was paycheck to paycheck. Every time my family had an argument, it revolved around money. And growing up, you looked at other, uh, I told this story actually recently, growing up, you know, in my, um, the season of life that I grew up in, Jabos was a big deal. Do you remember those? The pants, Jabos? <laughs> we couldn't afford them. And um, man, I just, I wanted the Jabos. I wanted the shoes and we couldn't afford them. And not only could we not afford them, but we couldn't afford sometimes our house note. My parents would fight over it. And uh, I grew up with this empty feeling of uh, insignificance. And I was in ninth grade on the school bus and I saw this, it was probably 1995 model uh, Nissan Altima. It was brand new and it was black and it had a gold trim package. And back then I thought it was just the finest car ever. <laughs> and uh, I said, God, that car is so fine. That person that's driving it must make a lot of money. What do they do? And uh, found out that it was one of my friend's moms who was a real estate agent. And so from that point forward, I knew I wanted to be a real estate agent because clearly they made good money. And if I made good money, then I could fix or plug the hole in my soul and sure. feel valid. So, so I graduated high school, went to college for a year and became a realtor. And um, just after being a realtor, I found a daycare for sale, bought a daycare, uh, which four years prior to that, my mom had finally left her minimum wage paying job and opened up a daycare and it changed our financial dynamic in our house. So 
if it changed our dynamic in, in the house financially uh, for her, then I should do it too, right? But I had no idea what um, I wanted to, you know, like I just bought the daycare because it made my family more money than they had ever made before. Um, so I was 20 years old, a realtor, full-time college student, and also the owner of a daycare where I was the youngest person on staff, <laughs> wasn't even old enough to be the legal director. So I had to hire that director. And anyway, uh, I started to put one foot in front of the other. And that was like 22, 23 years ago. I've been a realtor ever since, finished college with a degree in entrepreneurship and business management. I've been obsessed with personal growth and development my whole life. Um, and I've tried a bunch of different things. I've owned a Mosquito Squad franchise where we installed misting systems in your backyard. I've uh, owned a co-owned a property management and HOA management company, grew it with some friends to become one of the largest in the state. Um, bought a podcast, the Mentee podcast from Jeff Woods, uh, who's the co-founder of, uh, not co-founder, he was the vice president of The One Thing with Gary Keller. And that really kind of catapulted my trajectory, if you will, since meeting Jeff into the space that I'm in now, which is a real estate broker. I have a brokerage, joint venture with a mortgage company, a title company, uh, a real estate investor. I've flipped properties. I've developed small uh, little developments uh, like a trailer park and flipped it. Um, currently own apartments, partnered with a new construction builder that is building out some new units for us. Um, and then I have the Mentorship Mastermind Community, which is sort of my my passion project where I get to coach in a group setting people uh, to live their good life. And we talk about the good life as being just the life that you want to live, an intentionally chosen life, one that is not by your circumstances or not based on your past, but one that you stop and think about, golly, if my life was over today, what do I wish I would have done to make it count, to make it matter. And we just ask those questions. And then that's how the mindset coaching, the, uh, the, the group coaching comes around. And then we, uh, I guess, insert business and productivity coaching inside of that so that we can actually take action and uh, achieve our results. So I know that's a lot, but that's kind of uh, in a nutshell what I'm doing and where I've been. Awesome. So it sounds like the coaching program is, is, is kind of a extrapolation, expansion on basically that 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 um think and grow rich mentality of just like we're actually in control that that whole light bulb moment of like oh no 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 like people people aren't rich because they they stumbled upon oil they're not rich because they won the lottery or because they just happened to randomly buy a stock that you know 100x overnight like people are rich because they were intentional and actually anybody on the planet can be rich if they if they follow these processes and they and they work on themselves first like it's all in your control you can manifest it all you can you know you control your surroundings you're not a product you don't have to be a product of your environment i mean a lot of that's people a, def default to it but it's not necessary that's right you know in 2016 the great flood uh, of 2016 I, everything i had flooded and it was a big deal uh and it was the second time that i had uh what i would say uh been party to external factors that took a lot of things away from me. In 2008, the Great Recession, uh, I was able to weather that storm in 2008, but I took on so many um, projects at that time and so much debt, and I couldn't outrun it. So in 2012, I went broke and started to rebuild everything that I had built and lost, uh, financially mostly. And then 2016, just four or five years later, 
the flood happened and that was a big deal. And uh, what I would tell you is that I made a whole lot of money in my in my years of being an entrepreneur and I've lost a whole lot of money. And in both instances, neither uh, plugged the hole in my soul. <laughs> and so my own journey, right? I had to learn where does validation come from and, uh, you know, tap into my higher power, my, my, my faithful beliefs, if you will, um, to plug that hole. And I really started to look at uh, personal growth and development as a way of teaching myself, right? Because they say the best way to learn something is to teach it. Sure. And I have a lot of lessons I need to learn, man. And so I just started digging in and and presenting and talking about it and facilitating these conversations so that I could teach myself. And in that, and there's a lot of people that, well, that which is most personal is most universal. And so if I need it and it plugs my hole, everybody else needs it and it'll plug their hole as well. Right. So um, that's kind of how that all happened. And I would say this, everybody can fail. Everybody can fail. Most people live average lives because they spend their time trying to avoid failure. Sure. The people that succeed are the people that know failure is just a little glitch. And we don't run from it. We don't try to avoid it. We run towards it because we know that in that little glitch, we'll learn something. We can pivot. And those glitches don't define who we are, right? So it is getting clear on what do you want? What does success mean to you? What do you have to do to be successful? And then running towards whatever it is to be successful. Can we talk about failure for a minute? So, um, you know, if you study, which I know you do, but if you study any great entrepreneurs throughout history, any great accomplishments, athlete, you know, Olympic athletes, anybody who's accomplished major things and you, you analyze their story, there's, there's typically a lot of failure in there right sure. early on cat you know i i'm very familiar with your story from time we spent together outside of the show where you know everything that happened in 2008 and 2016 and like you like undoubtedly you're way stronger now because of it right and and it's just so no off it's so often the case with everybody it's, it's like that forged in fire like it's, it's like you have to earn your you know what i mean your stripes no going through that but, you know, it's it's it is terrifying in the moment. And so that's what I want to dial in on is is that because, you know, like you said, most of us avoid it. Most of us stick to the W2. Most of us don't start business. Most of us like really recoil from from, you know, that that danger. But you've seen you've had the worst case scenario. You've been you know, you've had the catastrophic failure. What kind what is it like going through it? What kind of emotions do you get through it? And then. How do you get back out of it? Because you've, you've got a great mindset. You've got to focus on your mindset. But a catastrophic you know, failure like that has got to have a very heavy impact. How do you stay positive? How do you stay motivated How do, after losing everything and knowing you've got such a long road ahead of you? Like, what are you doing in that moment to pull yourself out? What, what are the thoughts that are going through your head? Well, the, all of that makes me think about a lot. Um, I do think that I have, for whatever reason, grown up with the belief that I'm going to be somebody someday, that I'm destined to get what I want. I don't know where that came from. 
I don't know if I created probably, that belief. Pro- probably a Travis Tritt song. Uh, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> I was a I was a country music fan for sure. Still am. Uh, I, I I don't. I've always had that faith. Is is the first thing I would tell you. Um, and just driven, like I am a driven, intense person. And I think I always have been. Um, with that being said, quitting and giving up was never an option. In my marriage, hey, my marriage hasn't been a 10 out of 10 for 16 years that we just celebrated. But I knew when I got married that come hell or high water, I ain't giving up. Like that's what this commitment means to me. And I think my commitment to success and my commitment to my desired future self, even though I didn't have those words back then to use, my commitment to what I wanted my life to be about uh, has never, I've never wavered in that. Now, fast forward uh, to where I'm at now, I know that you have to plant forcing functions in your life to stay consistent and to stay the course. Now, I didn't know that's what I was doing back then either, but it just so happened that I was doing it, right? Two of the most influential things in a person's world are the people around them and their physical environment. Your physical environment creates the um, context in which you set goals, right? It creates the influences on the behaviors that you're going to execute, which turn into habits that dictate your future, and then your people. And I would say that from my bankers in the early years of of going through all those troubles, uh, you know, I, my bankers were my mentors to a large degree, right? I, I didn't know that you could go into a bank and renegotiate your note, but my banker told me that. And so I went to my banker and you know what they did? They refinanced my note. They put it on a longer amortization. They lowered the interest rate and I was able to survive. Not all of them did, right? But I I was, I don't even know how young I was, but I felt even younger. Right. (laughs) Driving my my butt to Hammond to go meet with the president of the bank, right? Without an appointment to walk in, knock on the door and say, hey, mister, you know, call him by his name. I, I need to talk. And saying, look, here's my situation. I need help. And that fellow saying, we don't want your loan. We don't want your business. And I'm not changing it. Right? And me being so young and green and dumb saying, all I could say is, well, all I know is what you know, which is you're going to have to foreclose on me. And right now I'm paying my note. I'm just behind. So you figure out if it's worth it and we'll go from there. He never refinanced the note and I paid every single payment and paid that son of a sucker off. And that was the best feeling in the world. But my point is is that people back then, whether I realized it or not, I would say that it was God, the universe, faith, that just luck that had me surrounded by people that would tell me what to do, right? Help me renegotiate this, do this, right? And so I could always see hope. I can always see the future getting a little bit better, a little bit better. And hell, you and I have talked about it. I mean, there were days, Sterling, that I would work 16, 18. I would work all through the night. There were there were nights I never went to sleep, <laughs> weekends that I never took off. There, I mean, I had a cot at my office <laughs> and would just have to <laughs> take a nap 
on the cot because I was at the office for so long. So getting through failure, I had hope. Giving up was never uh, an option. And I was surrounded by the right people that helped me get through it. Awesome. So you were, you've been married for 16 years. So you were with your wife through both of these tumultuous times. Yeah. Um, was how ha, ha, did it how did that that um external situation like impact your did it impact your family life did it impact your i mean carrying that stress and anxiety home and pushing it over to somebody you know it's almost i can almost see the movie in uh, real time <laughs> you know um the, here's what i would say this is the harsh reality i think of entrepreneurship and doing any anything that's hard uh, it's still affects us. Yeah. You know, it just because we're in a better place today doesn't mean that the effects of that uh don't still linger. And um if I, you know, I mean we just had a conversation last night. We were talking about this year and planning ahead and the vacations and all the things we want to do and hell none of it's cheap. And uh you know, we've got a down market <laughs> and yeah. interest rates are up. We're not selling us the same number of houses. We're not doing the same number of loans that we were doing last year and the year before and She's asking me questions because COVID did bring her out of her career, right? She's a dental hygienist and uh, COVID gave us the opportunity for her to step out of that from a full-time uh, gig to just a very part-time gig. And she still does it one day a week because she loves it. And that's her time to use her brain and to um, escape, you know, just sure. kind of zone out for a little bit. But she did come into the business during COVID. Before that, she really wasn't in the business as much as she is now. So we have a CFO and she prepares uh, a dashboard for us once a month, says, hey, here's how all your entities did, all your properties. This is your global cash flow, gro global profit and loss, this, that, and the other. And Janae's not a business person, right? She's a dental hygienist. She knows teeth and hygiene. So she was talking to me about it last night with... Um, trying to understand, right? And how you can have a loss in one entity, but a gain in the other. And that's sort of how I look at it. What'd my global world do, right? Yeah, as yeah, long yeah. as we're making money globally, I'm kind of good, right? Like I can look at the pockets that didn't or the properties that didn't, we're going to adjust and we're going to pivot. And that's my daily job. Um, but we were talking about, and I said, here's the deal, Janae. You can either trust me when I tell you that it's all good, or you can live in the dashboard. And you can have a thousand questions and worry and this, that, and the other. And she just kind of laughed and then didn't laugh. She said, yeah, I'm not trusting you. <laughs> been there, done that, huh? Been there, done that. Uh, yeah, been there, done that. So it's really not that she doesn't trust me. It's just that it's a scary place. And we've sure. lived through some hard freaking times. That's the truth. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, we did, and I'll share this with the, the group. Some people think it's personal, and, and maybe it is, but it, it's helpful. I did have a great mentor uh, from a friend's dad and um, didn't know, again, that he was a mentor at the time, just a business guy. And he said uh, that I needed to get a prenuptial agreement before I got married, a marriage contract. And uh, it wasn't so much from the perspective of protecting any of my assets. It was in case shit hit the fan. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that, but we did. 
And it was a hard conversation, right? Because I didn't know what I was doing and it just seems weird and heavy. And if you really love each other, then why wouldn't, why would you do this? And anyway, so going through those hard times, that marriage contract kept our properties separate. And it was an incredible tool that we were able to use to navigate those choppy waters. And it's an incredible tool that we were able to use to uh, be able to have leverage, right? And restructure our, our debt and things of that nature to um, have a leg to stand on. And so that was helpful. And, uh, you know, from a very tactical standpoint, that was helpful. And then obviously we've had uh, and still do coach with Kelly Flanagan because, you know, you can't, you can't forget what has happened and yet you can't be plagued by it either. And so it's a yeah. constant uh, conversation as we navigate life together. And I think in all of that, you know, we went to mass this morning, my youngest was in the choir and she sang and I'm sitting in mass and, and I'm just so grateful, like look over at Janae and we're not as young as we were. And yet she's just as beautiful as she ever was. My kids up there in the choir, my other ones over there being a, uh, uh, a leader for the little small kids, uh, a helper, whatever you call it, big buddy. And, um, you know, if we wouldn't have went through all the crap that we've went through, we wouldn't be as grateful as we are today, you know? So I take all of it, embrace it, own it. And, um, that's about it, man. Awesome. Yeah. We love Kelly. We met with him uh, the day before yesterday. So, uh, I jokingly say all the time when people ask me what, what my best investment has been, I always say marriage counselor because it saved me millions. <laughs> that's funny um i hope your wife would say the same thing <laughs> no look here's the deal um i saw a facebook post today somebody was complaining about parents not knowing how to be a parent and they wish there was a school on how to be better parents and it was school teachers that were complaining obviously i can relate because i've been in the child care business um for a long time. I still have a childcare center, by the way, and I, I love that business as well. Not necessarily the the business of it, but I love being in the school. I love being able to smile at the kids and give the kids a high five and encourage the kids and speak life into the teachers and all of those people dynamics. I love all of that. And it has educated me right on early childhood education. I've got 22 years of experience there. But what I would say is nobody teaches us how to be married either. Right. And so marriage counseling or marriage coaching. Well, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, sometimes our parents do, right? <laughs> well, they actually all do, and it may not be the right way. Right. That's what I mean when I say unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. It may not be the right way. So it's not from a perspective. And when we first started um, doing it, it felt weird. It felt like, golly, like we're we're not about to get divorced, but walking into this office makes me feel like I'm about to get divorced because that's my programming around people yeah. that see marriage coaches. And um, man, it's just been so different and so refreshing and so enlightening. And, you know, nobody's a prophet in their own backyard. So I can't, I can know what Kelly knows and say it and it don't hit the same. Oh, I know. She can know what Kelly knows and it don't hit the same. But when Kelly says it, 
right, you know, right. all the bells ring and the yeah, yeah. gates of heaven open up and oh my God, this is genius. Um, but it's been very, very um, rewarding to have a marriage coach to help us optimize our relationship, not just to save it, but to make sure that we get every single ounce of what is there to be gotten out of our marriage. Mm-hmm. It's been great. Awesome. Let's change gears a little bit and talk about your real estate investment. Okay. What, um, I guess, what, what what's your experience? I know you've, you've played in several different areas from you're a, a realtor that partners with de- with developers on new construction, and then you, you sell those projects. I know you've got an apartment complex. I know lately you've been doing a lot of uh, direct marketing, um, finding off-market properties. Yep. What, are you, what, what are you finding through all that experience? Well, I got a, um, so I love to teach people. We've already established that. And a lot of times what I'm teaching people is what I've been taught and they don't take action. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go take the dang action. I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to break the ceiling, uh, the glass ceiling. And I'm going to go out on a, you know, limb and figure out how to make it happen since, you know, so many people are scared to do it. So I got a short-term rental, uh, last about a year and a half ago, bought a new construction uh, property, furnished it, used one of my realtors, um, who's an entrepreneurial minded person, wanted to, you know, I'm all about partnerships and partnering with people. And so um, I said, Hey, you want to make extra money, you want to learn a new skill and figure the short term rental out. So how about you manage my rental for me, and we'll split the profits. So last year was our first full year in the short term rental business. And um, it was profitable. Even after I split the profits, I made more money on that short term rental than I would have had I just done it as a traditional long-term rental. Um, I've had single family rentals for a long time, never more than five or six at a time. Um, I've is, there remodeled. Re- is, is there a reason for that? Man, I never focused on it. I wish I would have, but like I didn't read Rich Dad Poor Dad until 2018. Yeah. But I've been a realtor, realtor and in the real estate business uh, and a self-employed business owner for my whole adult life. Never read the book. You know why? Because I thought I knew what it said. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, I read the book and I'm like, oh my God, this is genius. And that led to Cashflow Quadrant. And now I understand what a real business is and making money with money and how real estate investing is the, it's just the place to be if you want to build wealth and passive income for all kinds of reasons, which you talk about on the show and everybody that's you know probably a listener knows about. So I've decided to get in the business instead of just servicing it. So I have serviced the business as a real estate agent. I've sold thousands of houses over my career, uh, really always focused on new construction and consulting builders on their business strategy. And my payment for that was being their realtor, right? Because I knew early on that if I could help them sell more houses, they would list more houses. And if they would list more houses, then I would make more money, right? And if I could help them uh, make more money on each house, then they could build more houses. And the more they would build, the more I would sell. And so that's where I spent a lot of years um, focusing. And so it wasn't until joining Abundance, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and being exposed to new mentors that I really took hold in this real estate investing game. So started trading up assets, flipping, getting rid of things that didn't make money, this, that, and the other. And um, 
my first big deal was a 48 unit apartment complex. And that was a cold call to an off market property. It took me a year to close it just because it took me a year to negotiate, get the deal, find the bank, find the investor and all those things. But the thing about it is that it's 48 units with 24 pads already zoned for additional units. So that became our value add opportunity. So we bought that last November, 2022, me and a partner, uh, we split it 50, 50, I should say 45, 45, because we did bring in a, a money guy and uh, he's 10%. Um, and then my partner's building out the 24 units. So we'll have 70, 72 doors there. And then I've got the short-term rental that I, that I still have. And then I've got uh, three other single families uh, that I rent out. And I'm looking for my next multifamily and trailer park right now. Um, while I flip houses and I'm really, that was a pivot. You were there. Uh, where were we in where, Dallas? Where were we? Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, we were in Dallas when uh, we were at that GoBundance event. And I decided that I'm going to go all in on flipping ugly houses. And so I bought an ugly house franchise for Baton Rouge and went through the training and started getting the leads in January. And so far I've got, um, I need to look at my list, but I have um, somewhere between eight and 12 uh, deals just in the first 40 days of doing this that we've bought or put under contract that will flip and sell them, right? Retail. And I'm doing that with my same business partner who's a builder. Um, so it works real good because he's in the field. He's got all the contractors and all that because he's a home builder. And um, and I do the sales and the, the buying right now. I'm doing it uh, so that I can learn it, understand it. And then I'm going to hire uh, a buyer, a group of buyers, acquisitions. I don't know what they're called, but we're, we're I, I'm not going to be the buyer forever. Um, but that has really taken off this year very, very well. So the whole idea is just growing to getting the flips. Now I'm in the business with the flips. I'll list them with my brokerage. We'll finance them with the mortgage company, right? Go through the preferred title company and just kind of get our share of profits off of each piece of the transaction. So what are you looking for when you're flipping houses? What's your criteria? What's your formula? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, right now, I want to make a minimum of 30000 uh, after everything is done. I want to walk away with $30,000. Um, and it needs to be something I know is going to sell. So what does that look like? You know, there's several leads that I have right now that are in a rougher part of uh, the neighborhoods, rougher part of Baton Rouge. And I'm just not familiar with that. I don't know about financing. I don't know about demand on houses that are, let's just say, ARV is 100,000. I don't, I don't know how to fix a house up uh, and sell it for under 100,000, right? Like... <laughs> Uh, I, we can, but where do you draw the line? That's what I don't know. Do we make the trim on the door match the trim on the baseboard or does that matter? I, I don't know. Well, that's, that could be well, a $2,000, you know, so uh, additional thing. So it needs to be a guaranteed sale in markets that I'm familiar with, which is pretty much putting me, I would say the cheapest flip that I have right now is uh, a condo at LSU 
or 130,000. But I don't have four of them. But those are nice condos. They're in a nice part, uh, a nice complex. They're steady sales. It's very predictable. I know who the demographic is. But outside of that, I'm 185 to 195,000 to 250 for my ARVs. Okay. That's great. Keeping it, keeping it safe. Um, I, I'm not I'll, going to, I'm not, I'm going to buy one right now. I made an offer last night that I can get for 325, but it's a special deal. Uh, I've never, I don't know that, I, I don't know that I've ever purchased a house for 325. Not that, you know, that I wasn't living in. Um, no, this will be, this will be ARV 325. I'm not buying it. Oh, okay. Okay. No, no. Yeah, it's it's scarier when you get into the bigger houses because you don't have multiple exit strategies, right? Because they That's don't right. they don't cash flow. And then and then, you know, you just there's a lot of there's a lot of things. Big, they're typically bigger. Um they're they're harder to sell. They sit longer. And while they're sitting, you have a bigger interest, you know, that you're paying. Um so and and, and on your formula, you know, you say you want to make thirty thousand a house. And like that, that's great. Um, but like making thirty thousand on a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house is is way different than making thirty thousand on a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar house because the sure. thirty thousand is a much smaller percentage, right, of the mm-hmm. three fifty than it is the one fifty, and and you know your your margin of error there is typically done in percentages, right? So if you have a, I mean, if you thirty percent, I mean thirty thousand dollars is is less than ten percent on a $350,000 house, you go 10% over budget, which is very common uh, or more common than I'd like to admit, you know, um, there goes your, your 30 grand where, you know what I mean? Whereas if you go 10% over on a $150,000 house, you still, you still skirt it out with, you know, 15 grand profit. Well, here's, here's what I would say. This is where mindset coaching matters. Everything you just said scares the hell out of me. It scares the hell out of me. And I'm going to do it anyway, because I've got to learn. And I could sit here and sharpen my pencil, sharpen my pencil, sharpen my pencil, and never pull the trigger. Uh, And I'm not going to be paralyzed by that. So right now, it is $30,000. Now, here's the thing, man. I'll make... uh, So this condos is a package of four. Um, So my average cost in each one i just looked at it as a package right so uh i've got four for two hundred and sixteen thousand dollars i paid fifty four thousand dollars a piece for them two of them i'm going to sell for one hundred and fifteen thousand, and i'll have seventy five thousand in them right so 115 uh thousand minus the 75 Right. But then I got to pay commission. I got to pay the franchise fees. I got to pay finance fees. Right. It's just I'm buying it for 54 and my rehab budget's 25, um, 20 to 25. I got a little $5,000 contingency. So, but the other two, I can sell for 130. Right. And I'm still only going to have 75 in those as well. Fast forward, the houses that I'm selling for 185 to 190,000, I'm doing my formulas on 30,000 profit. I got one that's two forty-five. I got about forty thousand in profit in that one. I got one that's two eighty-five, and I got like seventy thousand in it. Mm-hmm. So we run through this with my builders, right? Because my builders, you can make more money on a bigger house, 
And when we're looking at how many sales we want, if I only have two neighborhoods and they're both big box neighborhoods, my builders will fear away or are shy away from the smaller houses, the smaller neighborhoods where they only make, you know, say 20 or $25,000 a house. But at the end of the day, if you can sell 25 houses and make $25,000 a house and sell 25 houses and make $50,000 a house, and then you just average that crap out, you making a good living, you making good money, right? And so if I got systems and processes in place that don't make me a, a, a work like a dog, then what difference does it make? If I'm gonna wake up and work for 30, 40 hours a week, and I have a team and systems in place, then I don't care. I'll make 30,000 here, I'll make 25,000. We might not make 10 or 15,000 on some houses, but we're gonna learn what it took to rehab that house and I won't make that yeah. mistake again. You know, so that's yeah. kind of how I look at it. Oh, I was, I was looking back, you know, we've got three or four houses that we've done in the last year where we, I mean, barely skirted by, but maybe five, 10 grand, you know what I mean? On a project that we anticipated making 80. You know, and and like you said, everybody else got fed and it's just another data point to to expand on our systems and processes. You know what I mean? Better understand our our rehab cost estimation, you know. Um, So and like I said, it strengthens the relationship with all of our vendor partners, right? Because the realtor got paid, the bank got paid, the roofer got paid, the, you know, right. the electrician got paid. So, you know, I, I don't, and, 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 you know, I'll, another thing looking on those, those different types of different projects, like going into the ones that we didn't make any money on versus the ones that we made a lot of money on. Like I going into them, I thought I was going to make about the same money on both of them. And so a lot of times you don't know until you like get in, until you pull the walls back in the, in the environment, right? Like in the environment that I'm buying them, right? Cause I buy a lot because I I buy quick, you know what I mean? I don't inspect, like I just, I I mean, if you, if you read any of these, these guru books, they'll tell you, you know, have a, have a inspection before you buy it and all, all this kind of stuff that adds time to the deal, which causes you to lose a lot and kind of get caught in analysis paralysis. So with me, you know what I mean? Some of them I buy, I make more than I thought I was going to make. And some of them I make less than I was going to make. But if you buy a lot of them, like it kind of average, like you say, it That's averages right. out. And if you, if you get stuck in that analysis paralysis, you're just not going to get any of them. Right. And then you're, you're going exactly to be, right. you're going to be way worse off than, you know, um, luckily we haven't lost money on any of them, but, you know, it, it it can be frustrating to turn around and go, we spent six months, all this energy distracted us from other things and we made five grand, you know, that, that can be distract, that can be frustrating, but you know, like that book you had me read the gap in the game, you know, focus on all the ones that went well. It's so weird. As, Man, as I was humans. Just, <laughs> I was just about to say that, you know what? I just don't care. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like that's the thing when, my biggest weakness, Sterling, has always been uh, month-end financials and looking at the financials. Like, okay, and that's one of the big changes I made this year. I'm not having a bunch of operational meetings anymore. I'm not an operator. If you want me to be an operator, then I'm going to do your job. Like, you're not going to have a job. I don't want to be involved in that. So I cut back and I'm having two operational meetings a month now. And I could spend all day critiquing financials. 
or just get somebody else to do that. Hey, tell me that we lost, but I ain't about to sit in that loss. Mm -hmm. I ain't about to just tell me you lost. This is why. That's all I need to know. Check, check and check. Got it. Noted. I'm off to the next deal. That's my that's my X factor, right? Now, there are yeah. people that will sit in it and yeah. just talk about how we could have learned and we could have done this and we could. And all that's great. I don't need to spend all that time sitting in the gap. I, I want to talk about the gain. I want to talk about what I need to do to get more and let's roll. Well, Wyatt, I could sit here and talk to you all day, but I got another call in six minutes. So for the sake of time, I want to give us a chance to hit the radio round real quick. Just three questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? Um, my favorite book right now is The right Secrets now. of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harvecker. Um, really? That's, a, that's, a, that's on repeat. And, um, and I love it. It is uh it's a great, great practical book that if you internalize it, it'll change your life. Awesome. I'm gonna check it out. Um, what's your favorite quote? Man, it is the quote that changed my world by Jim Rohn. You become like the five people you spend the most time with. Simple Absolutely. as that. The hack is figure out what you want and then go find people that are already doing it and the rest is history. Hey man, that's the truth. And then finally, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Anything and everything with my kids. I uh, love watching my boy play basketball and football. Emmy plays volleyball. Maggie plays uh, soccer, and she's now in the gym. I love to go vacation, just travel. Anything that is spontaneous, adventure, like I'm there. Um, so for just really, I would say free time. And I'm anything that is outside of work... I, I'm going to do it with my family and my friends. So whatever that is, it don't matter. It could be eating. <laughs> right. I like to go eat. Uh, but just hanging out with people that I care about. Awesome. And how can our listeners get in touch with you, find out more about you, buy a house from you, join your mastermind program? Yep. They can go to thementee.com and you can check out my podcast. You can check out our mentorship mastermind community. We do have a great event that's coming up on April 21st. In uh, a little uh, north of Austin, Texas, it'll be a weekend mastermind event limited to just 15 people. And it's going to be an incredible, amazing event. And right now we've got, uh, we're taking applications. So you can get all that information at thementee.com. Awesome. One more quick joking jab I want to throw your way before we hang up. Um, you'd made the joke last time about how aggressive your assistant was because she got me on your show before you were on my show even though we had been, I'd been begging you for a year. Well, to, to, to add a little salt to the womb, she actually made me open up a special time slot that wasn't on my calendar. Wow. <laughs> so, I, hey, so man. I, I might try and steal her because I, like, I like her style. I love that, man. I'm glad you told me that. She is, she is, look, she will show up at the men's Bible study with papers for me to sign. I'm like, how did you know I was here? <laughs> she said, don't worry about that. She's good. That's awesome. I love it. Awesome. Why well, I really appreciate you joining us today. Looking forward to uh, catching up with you in person soon and uh, love following you on your journey. Same here, man. Always good times. See ya. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.